The book of uh, Jonah in the Old Testament opens up this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah receives his call from God. Jonah gets uh, his mission, assignment. And how does Jonah respond? Does he say, here I am, Lord. I'm your man. You can count on me. I shall be faithful in all ways. Off I go, serving you. Well, no, far from it, actually, Jonah was not happy with this assignment from God, to say the least. The writer Frederick Buechner describes Jonah's reaction this way. When God ordered Jonah to go to Nineveh to tell them to shape up and get saved, the expression on his face was that of a man who had just gotten a whiff of trouble in his septic tank. Jonah would have nothing to do with Nineveh and ran away only to end up in the belly of a big fish. I don't know, was it a whale? You know, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament is a great book uh, with an incredibly important message. But you know, all the people know about Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale. It's a story about a whale. But people know very little about Jonah himself, actually. So anyway, uh, he... Jonah ends up in the, the belly of, of the whale, and, and Beekner continues. He says, within a few minutes of swallowing the prophet Jonah, the whale suffered a severe attack of acid indigestion. And it's not hard to see why. Jonah had a disposition that was enough to curdle milk. Jonah had a heck of an attitude problem. Because you see, as far as Jonah was concerned, the Ninevites were beyond hope of salvation. They were irredeemable as far as he was concerned. Nineveh was sin city, if there ever was one, a center for the worst kind of paganism. Why should he, an upright, righteous man, a follower after God, why should he pollute himself in such an environment? Why should he go to this particular evil place? So instead of heading in the direction of Nineveh to do what God had called him to do, he runs away and heads in the opposite directions. And so we read, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, I really don't know why Jonah thought he could outrun the Lord, but he tried, uh, as many of us do sometimes, run away from God. But God gives Jonah another chance. Um, God caught up with his runaway prophet and uh, gives him another opportunity to fulfill this uh, mission assignment. And this time, Jonah dutifully obeyed God's call to go to Nineveh and preach the message that God had given him. Though he certainly didn't expect that, uh, that he would, uh, 
you know, change any minds in Nineveh. Uh, the city was lost, full of lost people. Uh, his message would, f would fall on deaf ears. So for all intents and purposes, he thought that this was one great big waste of time. But Jonah went. And to his great surprise, his audience, the Ninevites, took his message to heart, and everyone from the king on down repented and ended up believing in God. And so we read, the Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now, who would have thought it? You know, who would have thought that the Ninevites would respond? The Assyrians, uh, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria was Israel's greatest enemy. In fact, the Assyrians came in and wiped out the whole northern kingdom. Uh, and so, um, but here we have this report that the whole nation of, of Assyria was moved to tears by the awareness of their sin, and they all resolved to turn from their evil ways and live for God. So uh, imagine, I mean, a whole nation turning to the Lord. And uh, I can't help but think that there would be hope for our nation. Uh, as you look at Assyria, as hard-hearted as it was, a thoroughly pagan nation like Assyria, they would, they would actually turn around and head in a Godward direction. So if it happened in that day, it can certainly happen today, and so we hope and pray. Now, you would think, there's lots of surprises in this story, you would think that Jonah the prophet would have been thrilled by the positive outcome of his message. Wow! The whole nation of, of, of Assyria has come to faith. Praise the Lord. And I think he probably would have congratulated himself, uh, himself uh, for being successful as a prophet. But that is not how Jonah responded. Now, Jonah was a prophet. The job, the job of a prophet is to call people to repentance, to turn around from their evil ways and turn towards God. He was spectacularly uh, successful. He should have been pleased, as I say. But Jonah was angry. And so we read. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. I mean, how weird. <laughs> Jonah isn't just a little bit uh, irritated he is absolutely furious. And we all wonder, Jonah, what got into you? Why are you angry? Why, should, why aren't you overjoyed? But no, he's furious. 
And you know, it's, it's one thing when, pale, when people rail against God for troubles and calamities in life. But Jonah's anger, his fury, is different. He is enraged that there is no calamity. <laughs> he looks at the kindness and mercy of the Lord, and he calls it evil. Now we know the real reason why Jonah didn't want to go in the first place to Nineveh. He hated those people. He didn't think that they were worthy of God's love. Even though their repentance had been genuine enough, surely their violence and their immorality merited some special kind of punishment from God. How could God have left them off the hook so easily? Ninevites, after all, they were all Gentiles. They were non-Jews. They were not part of God's chosen people. They were pagan idol worshipers. And they were rotten to the core. And as far as Jonah was concerned, they could rot in hell. They were all evil people. Nothing would have pleased Jonah more than to see them get what he thought they had coming to them. So when he preached to the streets of, in, in the streets of Nineveh, he did so without an ounce of compassion for people. So when the Ninevites took his message to heart and turned to the Lord, he had the gall to complain to the Lord. I was afraid this might happen, Lord. You are a soft touch. I don't understand what you're doing. In fact, what you're doing is plain wrong, God. You're a, you're a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding love. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is ridiculous, totally ridiculous. Your favor towards them is completely unmerited. These people do not deserve your grace. They are wicked, evil people. These people ought to be wiped off the face of the earth. He's sad that God is full of compassion and mercy. <laughs> He's angry at the fact. But here's the irony. God showed incredible mercy to Jonah because Jonah thumbed his nose at God. You know, he ran away from his call. In fact, at one point, he actually was thrown off a ship, if you read the entire story, and, uh, and he's about to drown, and God saves him certain death. Then God gave him another chance to redeem himself in spite of his failure so that God treated Jonah with grace and was merciful. He was abounding in love towards Jonah. And yet Jonah was not about to show mercy to the Ninevites. He begrudged God for treating those people with such love and grace. He didn't like the Ninevites, and he didn't think God should like them either. It was the writer Anne Lamott who says, you can tell you've made God into your image when it turns out he hates all the same people you do. Well, God was pretty patient with Jonah, but Jonah pouted, you know, and threw a little temper tantrum like a three-year-old. 
And God simply said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? I mean, really, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? And then God decides to give Jonah a little object lesson. Jonah had gone out after all this, had gone out, he's all in a huff, <laughs> sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a, a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? Jonah was more concerned about his own personal comfort than anything else. He's more concerned about the plant that was offering shade above his head in the heat of the day than he was concerned about the 120,000 people who needed saving in Nineveh. He cared more about a plant, more about himself than about people. Unlike God, Jonah was not gracious and merciful, nor was he slow to anger, or abounding in steadfast love? Why be gracious to those who don't deserve it? Why be kind to those people? So Jonah wrote off an entire group of people whom he thought were totally irredeemable. Jonah would limit his love only to good people like himself. And the idea of extending love to his enemies, and certainly the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were his enemies, extending love and grace to them was, was absolutely unthinkable. Now, to be honest, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a little bit of Jonah in each of us. Isn't there a temptation in us as well to write off entire groups of people as unworthy of our time and our attention, our care and our compassion. We assume that there are people who are beyond redemption. They are a lost cause, lost to God. And so we may choose not to have anything to do with them. 
we remember the words of Jesus who said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous, on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Or not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? In other words, we are to love as God loves. There is no limit to God's compassion. It extends even to those who are doing evil. Even to those, yes, who are unrighteous, who are far from God. His love and grace extends to those who are at war against him. God cares about everyone. Everyone matters to God. That's such a simple point, but nevertheless, I think it needs to be repeated. God cares about jobless people and homeless people and uh, immigrants and illegal immigrants and conservatives and liberals and Republicans and Democrats and the far left and the far right, divorced people, gay people, prison inmates, the elderly, the young, they all matter to God. Muslims, Jews, Samaritans, Buddhists, atheists, Caucasians, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, African Americans, people of every color and race, rich people, poor people, prostitutes, yes, even IRS agents. God loves those people too. They all matter to God. God doesn't look at people in categories. And that's what we tend to do. We divide people up and say, oh, those people. When we start using we, they language, we get in trouble. We're always dividing people up in categories and labeling them. And I tell you what, that is so much a problem in our society today. The entire society, the entire culture is dividing up into groups. And the groups can't stand each other. They can't have a decent conversation with one another. Oh, you were one of them. And so we judge them. And then we have a tendency to write, write them off, right? You guys are irredeemable. You are a lost cause. I'm not going to give you the time of day. And that's happening more and more in our society, and I tell you, it's really dangerous. Makes me fear for the future, actually. If I, if I didn't know that the future was in God's hands, I'd be worried. <laughs> I'd be really worried. Everybody dividing up and taking sides. It's we they. And uh, God doesn't look at people in categories. You know, uh, we're not to say, oh, those are my kind of people so I can love them, but those are not my kind of people so I don't have to love them. I don't have to pay any attention to them. You don't divide people up into those who deserve God's love and those who don't deserve God's love. God loves every human being. And when someone who is separated from God by sin, when someone is living in ways that are hurtful and self-destructive 
as was happening to the people in Nineveh, then God will stop at nothing to bring that, that person or that group into right relationship with himself. He will call people to repentance, to turn around, to turn away from that which is evil and wrong, so that they may experience his love and a freedom of a, of a new life in him, living God's way. That's love. To invite people into a life-transforming relationship with Christ. So he sends you and me into the world as messengers. And there's a sense in which we are prophets like Jonah. We are called to share the good news of God's love to everybody. We just don't want to be like Jonah. <laughs> you know, uh, since God has called us to share this good news and, and we call ourselves prophets in that sense, uh, that doesn't make us superior or special. Uh, somebody has said it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to, found, where to find bread, right? And that's our job. Part of loving is helping people discover God so that they can be reconciled to him and to one another. Every human being matters so much to God that God sent forth his son Jesus to die for everybody. And the temptation for you and for me is to run away from that call to care about people that we only, only naturally care about, to like people, to love people only who we love and like already. <laughs> Where does that go? We are to extend God's grace to those who we think may not even deserve it. But then do any of us deserve it, really, when it comes right down to it? Are any of us deserving? Have we not all, kind of like Jonah, run away, doing our own thing, thumbing our nose at God at times? But God doesn't give up on us, good thing, and we're not to give up on other people either. You just can't write them off as irredeemable. God's still at work. God still cares, and he calls us to care. Don't run away. Don't be like Jonah. Don't be an angry person. There's too much anger in the world today. Boy, don't we know it? Just wait as we get closer to election time. <laughs> the anger is already there. It's building. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Don't watch the news. <laughs> the world doesn't need more of that. Needs more love, right? But not in kind of a superficial way. We need, they need the love of God who changes people's hearts. It's not love in general. It's the love of God in Jesus Christ who alone can really transform lives and bring people together. And so we call people to be reconciled to God the Father. Lord, help us to love others as you love us. And help us to be messengers of your love and grace to all people 
wherever they are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.